think we lost 50 years worth of ground in solidifying the independence of the Justice Department after Watergate. Uh, this really puts us back in the category of almost an emerging democracy where the rule of law is not yet firmly established, where prosecutorial decisions are made on the basis of politics. That's Adam Schiff, of course, thinnest neck I've ever seen. He's the chair of the House Intelligence Committee over the weekend saying all kinds of things, including that, that we are back to being an emerging democracy where we have no rule of law or uh, or a government with a justice system you can trust. It's the thinnest neck I've ever seen. Got the smallest, thinnest neck I've ever seen. I don't there know is, how he gets the words to come out with that tiny little windpipe. There is no limit to his cynicism to make that claim. When he has been one of the great liars of the last 50 years. Well, one of the great- he is not a long ball hitter. And nor does he give a damn about justice. That is astonishing. Well, this, this we set a new record, and I didn't think we could. We were, we're setting new records for partisanship and tribalism, and we only take in the news that confirms what we already believe. And, I mean, I took in a fair amount of news over the weekend, and it's, it's as if... Uh, it's as if half the country says it's nighttime and the other co- half says it's daytime. Mm. I mean, it's that far apart. Uh, that's why I really like this Twitter thread from Glenn Greenwald that I came across over the weekend. Glenn Greenwald is an American journalist who lives in Rio de Janeiro for some reason. But anyway, he became famous when he was involved in getting the Edward Snowden revelations out and printing them. And um, that's what launched him on the worldwide stage. And he's an interesting person to try to nail down politically, which is important before I start reading these tweets, because he's kind of all over the map. He got interested in politics late in life. He had no particular interest whatsoever until um, the until Bush got reelected. That's when he started playing, paying attention to politics, because mm. everything he was hearing was, you know, Bush is evil. This and they got reelected. And he's like. What? what? How, how did I miss this story? I mean, what's going on? So obviously, there's something going on I don't get here. Right, right. How could someone so evil get reelected? Uh-huh. And uh, and before I start reading these, it's worth mentioning, he has he has said, for instance, that the Trump White House lies and misinforms and covers up more than any administration ever has. So he's no Trump fan. Okay. Worth knowing before you get into this. I'll start at the beginning of the Twitter thread, and this was all about the documents that came out last week about the origin of the, the whole Russian thing. This is this is how the whole freaking thing got started. Um, and again, as you just heard from Adam Schiff, and if you're following the news, many others over the weekend, we now have a completely corrupt Justice Department and an attorney general who just does the bidding of the president and cares nothing about the rule of law. Glenn Greenwald wrote, the indisputable reality is at Molly Hemingway and Chuck Ross, D.C. I know some of these people and some of them I don't. And a handful of other journalists skeptical of Russiagate conspiracy theories were far more reliable than CIA mouthpieces at CNN, MSNBC, and the Washington Post, who got rich with books and showered themselves with awards. There were a small group of journalists on the left and right, and he mentions Matt Taibbi of the Rolling Stone, among others, uh, were also among them whose reporting and questioning were vindicated while the roster of ex-security state agents and award-drenched CIA dupes spread falsehoods and lies for years. Whether the Russia Gate conspiracy theories were true never had anything to do with ideology or politics. It was only about, quote, evidence. But the U.S. elite media is so polarized along partisan lines, uh, especially those who feign neutrality, that it became the tribal litmus test. The refusal of CNN, MSNBC, Washington Post, and CIA media to cover the devastating new evidence impugning key Russiagate pieties proves 
what they were doing, not journalism, but propagandizing. COVID-19 is no excuse because they cover other things. Their audience don't know these docs exist. And I can tell you from taking in over the news over the weekend, this story, I wondered I wondered how they were going to handle it on Face the Nation, ABC, this week. Mm-hmm. I'll tell you how they handled it. It's as if it didn't exist. It's as if the story didn't happen at all. And as Glenn Greenwald points out, the fact that they're not covering it all it well, it just it just it, it drapes them in more dishonor. Right. Not only they're not apologizing or or trying to explain away, they're just not covering it at all. And as he mentioned earlier, the uh, and we talked about this last week, various heads of these security agencies who were going on Morning Joe and all these different shows and talking about all the horrible things they think are coming down the line. When we now know from reading the transcripts, they. Knew there was no there there. Right. They knew nothing was going to happen, but they wrote books, they gave speeches, and they went on all these shows and talked about it anyway. Hinting darkly that they'd seen secret evidence that was incredibly damning over and over again. And speaking of pencil neck, Adam Schiff, he was the king of that, having already heard all these people say, no, we don't have anything like that. God, the level of dishonesty is just absolutely shocking. Um, And then this quote from a Glenn Greenwald tweet, there is absolutely a subculture of conspiratorial thinking among Democrats or the broad anti-Trump coalition. I would 100% concede that. That is from Chris Hayes of MSNBC, who has his own show, Mm -hmm. who at least was being honest enough to say, yeah, there's a subculture of conspiratory nuts on our side, too. And they're in the media and they talk to people every single day. Mm hmm. How is this not more well-known or well-discussed? Well, I suppose because the, the, the level, level, levers, levers of the conversation are mostly being pulled by the very people we're talking about. I mean, if you're going to hear about it, most people still get their information through mainstream sources. And, and those places are thick with the, this very sort of nut. Did you, uh, you know what? I should have asked for the tape from Meet the Press. We don't have that, do we? The, the infamous uh, Meet the Press edit that's now being discussed. They're talking about Bill Barr, the Attorney General, <clears throat> being asked, um, when history looks back on this decision, meaning the decision to no longer pursue prosecution of General Flynn, when history looks back on this decision, how do you think it will be written? And the Attorney General says, well, history's written by the winners, so it largely depends on who's writing the history. And then Chuck Todd and his panel leapt in savagely. The attorney, this is lawlessness. This is third world stuff. And we'll find the tape for you, the specifics of what they said. But uh, Kerry Kupak uh, tweeted, very disappointed by the deceptive editing slash commentary by Chuck Todd and his panel. Compare the two transcripts below. Okay. So when the attorney general says, so it largely depends on who's writing the history, and then they jump in on his throat. Well, here's what he actually said. Um, uh, the, the, when history looks back on this decision, how do you think it will be written? What will it say about your decision making? Well, history is written by the winner, so it largely depends on who's writing the history. But I think a fair history would say it was a good decision because it upheld the rule of law. It helped. It upheld the standards of the Department of Justice, and it undid what was an injustice. So his statement about it depends who's writing the history was not a disdainful, haughty, uh, you know, awful thing to say. It was a very measured thing, saying it depends who you ask, but here's my point of view. And then Meet the Press responded to this tweet, which got 23,000 likes and counting. 
Uh, you're correct. Earlier today, we inadvertently and inaccurately cut short a video clip of an interview with A.G. Barr before offering commentary and analysis. The remaining clip included important remarks from the Attorney General that we missed, and we regret the error. It was an accident. It's an accident. I don't even watch Meet the Press anymore. That used to be my favorite first I went to uh, show. I don't even watch it anymore. I just feel it's such crap. Uh, it's amazing how Chuck Todd destroyed that Tim Russert brand so quickly. But anyway. Well, like a lot of places, they decided to go resistance. They thought maybe that's where the revenue and the ratings are. Yeah. So I was watching Meet uh, Face the Nation yesterday. No, no, ABC This Week. And I I didn't get the clip because it's so long, but I'll summarize it. And you'll have to trust me. Watch it if you think I'm lying. Um, they got into this whole conversation. And um, uh, Barack Obama over the weekend behind closed doors criticized Flynn getting off. And I uh, thought it was horrifying and this sort of thing. And Chris Christie, former governor of New Jersey, said, it's not about Michael Flynn. What this exposes is what was going on in the Justice Department under Barack Obama, the ways that they would uh, the manufacture reasons to spy on people, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Then he went to Rahm Emanuel, and Rahm Emanuel said, oh, Chris Christie. Uh, Michael Flynn lied. He lied again. He did these things. And then Chris Christie's follow-up would say, I'd just like to point out that Rahm Emanuel did not dispute any of the things I said about the Obama Justice Department. He just talked about what Michael Flynn did, Ah. which is what a lot of the liberal media is doing. Flynn did lie. Mm -hmm. And then how that whole thing works out, I don't know. And why did he get in bed with the Turks? Why did he lie to the vice president? I I don't care about defending Michael Flynn. The point of this whole thing is... They were coming up with reasons to listen in on phone calls and start this Russian investigation that you don't want to happen in the United States of America. And the reasons they knew were phony at the time, but they passed them off as legit to get where they wanted to go. So it was reprehensible behavior. Coming up, the bartering economy is back. Oh, really? I'll trade you a hog for a bushel of rice. And uh, I don't know, a hog's pretty valuable. And uh, I don't know, a ride on your motorcycle. How the bartering thing works in a moment or two, but Simply Safe, my friends, the best overall home security system of 2020, according to U.S. News and World Report, is going to protect your home and your family, all the good stuff that you want from a security system, without the expensive long-term contract or the expensive installation. Yeah, we're all looking for ways to get by with less nowadays, aren't we? Well, this is a way to get by, uh, better than get by. It's the best overall home security of 2020, according to U.S. News and World Report. So it's the best system out there, and you can do it for about 50 cents a day and have your home protected. And you order it online. You set it up yourself in under an hour. Your home is protected 24-7 with emergency dispatch for break-ins, fire, and more. So simplysafe.com slash Armstrong is where you want to go to check it out. Simply is spelled S-I-M-P-L-I. Simplysafe.com slash Armstrong. Free shipping, 60-day risk-free trial. The doorbell alerts, the cameras, the motion sensors, everything you need is right there, and it's easy to install. Simplysafe.com slash Armstrong. It's not clear to me exactly why the barter thing is taken off. I guess on Facebook, if you have, if you really need like a hand sanitizer and you don't have any, uh, here's the story out of San Francisco. Tammy Calhoun traded a loaf of freshly baked bread and a few homegrown avocados for a neighbor's help planting a vegetable garden in her front yard last month. A great deal she never would have come across before the novel coronavirus pandemic. Huh, I don't know about that one, but I was just thinking in general, since everybody, you know, one out of four people are out of work right now. So one out of five people have lost their jobs in the last seven weeks, and then you Mm -hmm. had a chunk of people that were already out of work. So you got a quarter of the population in the United States not working. 
Yeah. So you got a bunch of people that don't have any money and then a bunch of people who have any money who are worried about spending it. And I could see how, look, I know how to fix cars. The, the, the place is not open anymore, but I need this done. I need my, uh, I don't know, a fence built or my kid tutored. That might be a good example. Yeah. I'll fix yeah. your car. You tutor my kid. I could see that sort of thing happening. Well, Jack, I hope the county steps in and makes it clear you don't have a permit to do that. I'm sure the fine print men, which is our term of the day, will be screwing this up as soon as they possibly can because there's no sales tax being paid. There's no payroll tax being paid. Wait a minute. They're giving you a good and you're giving them labor, for instance, and the government's not getting a piece. They're going to step in. But anyway, this gal who they uh, profile as 4,600 members in her bartering group, that was built in seven weeks. Who's trading what, how it works, and maybe you want to do it? Coming up in moments. Stay with us. Armstrong and Getty. The Armstrong and Getty Show. Axel Rose from Guns N' Roses got into a Twitter feud with Steve Mnuchin over the administration's coronavirus response. And no matter what your politics are, I think we can all agree that's the dumbest sentence to ever count as news. (laughs) Panda Express employees around the country are reporting an increase in racism directed at them due to the coronavirus. But it's way worse for employees over at Bad on a Stick. (laughs) (laughs) That's from Matt. On a stick. Bat on a stick. Bat on a stick. That's from SNL at home, which was that the season finale of Saturday Night Live? Yes, it was. Okay, that's why they said this is probably the last time we'll be doing it from home. Yeah, I got, I hope. I hope if they're, if, if they can't be back in the studio come the fall, we got a big problem, but surely we're going to have empty stadium sports soon, right? Uh, I saw that Major League Baseball announced something. Oh, did they? I missed it. Okay. I'll have to check with my sources. It might just have been an announcement. They're going to have talks. I don't know. Well, there have been a couple announcements that they're considering a plan, dot, dot, dot. Okay. Um, but I don't know. I'm, if, if it's a story, I missed it. So we're talking about this, uh, the trend now, apparently, on Facebook of barter. That's trading. Uh, goods for goods as opposed to goods for currency. You see, currency is handy because you can trade it for anything. Yeah. You have a hog, I have a bushel of wheat. I have no need for a bushel of wheat, but we both have money and 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 you know that's how it works. But for some reason during these troubled times, including interestingly enough just social reasons, uh, people are bartering and they're talking about this Facebook uh, group went from one person to 4600 in 7 weeks. Uh, you got uh, groups from western Montana, southern Nevada to uh, to uh, Massachusetts. But they gave some examples. In Frisco, Texas, Greg Bear traded freshly baked sourdough bread for the use of a neighbor's wheat grinder. In Southern Maryland, Lynn Unpronounceable traded rolls of toilet paper for much-needed dish soap. What? Can't, you can't get dish soap? It's everywhere, and it's free. It's practically free. I'm shocked at things that you can't buy at the store that they're out of. I have no idea why. Huh. why. Why are you people still buying this stuff? I had a number of people, including my parents, talking about how crowded it was at Costco's over the weekend and Walmart's. Are you still stocking up, or is there a certain kind of person that just needs to go somewhere? You just I, I, like your life is you go out and shop, 
and you can't go anywhere else, so you go to Costco. Because you've got to have enough stuff. Surely you have enough stuff. You would think. Surely you're caught up on everything. How can there be lines a mile long still at Costco? I think that's because they only let you in a few at a time. I don't know. I've known they a lot of people. control the entry. I've known a lot of people that have to go out and shop. They just That's what they do. Mm. And so there's only a couple places to go now. So I think they go and they just buy more stuff. Yeah. Yeah. I guess during the Great Depression, this was a big thing, too. The bartering. To the extent that many community currencies I'll give you a created. pair of my light blue overalls for a pair of your light brown overalls. Mm, those are pretty attractive overalls. <laughs> so uh, some of the community currencies from the Depression stuck around. Berkshires, used in the Berkshires in the uh, region of western Massachusetts, probably the best known example. People can can use regular money to buy Berkshires, which can be used to pay at hundreds of businesses in the region. Proponents say it fosters community spirit and keeps money flowing locally. Huh. Has anybody bartered? Uh, mailbag at armstrongandgetty.com, the email address, mailbag at armstrongandgetty.com. So here's a woman snagged 12 packages of highly coveted baby wipes on Amazon. And oh, she baby was giving wipes, them away. Baby wipes are hard to get a hold of. That's the one thing we have not been able to score very well. Really? Yeah, that's a tough one. Unwiped babies all over the country. (laughs) The Armstrong and Getty Show. The tradition of Festivus begins with the airing of grievances. I got a lot of problems with you people. Now, you're going to hear about it. You, Kroger, my son tells me your company stinks. Oh, God. What? We'll get yours in a minute. Kroger, you couldn't smooth a silk sheet if you had a hot date with a babe. I lost my train of thought. Wow. <laughs> he was a genius. Because I've heard those lines a hundred times. Oh. And it, they still make me laugh. It's all in the delivery. Well, and y- yeah, you have to remember before you'd heard it a hundred times that he's on a rant. And it, I lost my train of thought. How funny is it? Hey, uh, Sean, at some point, see if you can dig up uh, something from Stiller and Mira. Okay. Jerry Stiller back in the day. If uh, if you are new to what Festivus is, and you're like, what what is this Festivus thing? Here's here's uh, Frank Costanza describing the origins of his his made up holiday. Many Christmases ago, I went to buy a doll for my son. <laughs> I reached for the last one they had, but so did another man. As I rained blows upon him, I realized there had to be another way. What happened to the doll? It was destroyed. But out of that. A new holiday was born. A festivus for the rest of us. <laughs> As wow. I rained blows upon him. <laughs> Why are we playing that? It's because he, he passed away overnight. Jerry Stiller, Ben Stiller's dad. Uh, also dying over the weekend, Little Richard, f- founding member of Rock and Roll. Which I would like to be my ringtone. I would like that for to be my ringtone. <laughs> That's pretty now. good. That's a damn good ringtone. That is pretty good. And also one of those Tiger fellas, not that Tiger fella, the original Las Vegas Tiger fella, Siegfried and Roy. Yeah. The other one, the one that wasn't eaten by a tiger years ago. Okay. Yeah. 
So they're both gone now. Tell you what, if that uh, Michael Jordan show had tigers in it, it'd be even more popular than it is. If he had backyard tigers, can you imagine how popular that show was? We got, an, we got an update on the likelihood of the return of the NBA, so stay tuned for that. Ooh. Also Major League Baseball. Um, I don't know if you saw me tweet this out over the weekend from a doctor named Ethan Weiss. He tweeted out a picture, uh, a selfie, but he, he did a shot in the plane of him and everybody on the plane. I guess at United is relaxing their social distancing policy these days. Every seat full on this 737. This is the last time I'll be flying again for a long time, he then tweeted a little bit later. Also, I guess a lot has changed in 10 days. And he he copied and pasted a little note from the United website that said they would be having people seated, you know, far enough away from each other for social distancing and that sort of thing. When he booked the flight, then ends up on a flight where everybody's jam-packed like you always are. And he goes on to uh, tweet, We are about to land, and I just wanted to say a few things. One, people on this plane are scared and shocked. Two, I have no idea why most of them are traveling. Three, I am with a group of 25 nurses and doctors who have been working in New York City hospitals for the past two to four weeks, and we are coming home. How would you like to be jam-packed shoulder-to-shoulder on a plane and find out that you're jam-packed with a whole bunch of people that have been in hospitals around COVID patients for the last couple of weeks? Well, other than the most likely human beings on Earth to be carrying it, I have no problem with that whatsoever. And four, United flew us here for free. They got a lot of great PR for taking great care of us on the way, including for me, even for me. He had tweeted earlier uh, how nice it was United to fly him. But they had said that they were going to fly him with social distancing. Five, he goes on to tweet. They could have avoided this by just communicating better. They literally just sent an email ten d- days ago telling all of us the middle seats would be empty. Um, Blah, 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 blah. So he was a very unhappy doctor. Flying back to San Francisco, I believe, with an entire packed flight full of people that had been working in a hospital. That seems United like a terrible Airlines. idea. Did you see their their statement, Jack? No, I didn't. Uh, they just put it out. They paused smashing guitars long enough to say, our flight to San Francisco had an additional 25 medical professionals on board who were flying for free to volunteer their time in New York. We've provided complimentary flights for more than 1,000 doctors and nurses in the past few weeks. So the and way, everybody was wearing masks. So the way, I hate United, and I've mentioned this many times over the years. They've screwed me so many times, I don't care. Um, uh, so the way you did the whole, we're flying, flying doctors for free, and as the doctor pointed out, they got a much a tremendous PR on it. Mm-hmm. The way they pulled it off was, they went against their, old, their own PR that was, we're going to have... Middle seats empty, so you're feeling safe. They jammed people into the seats nobody, yeah. <laughs> they were supposedly not using to give their free flight, so it didn't actually cost them anything. You know, that's funny. As oh, you're that's saying, fantastic. They violated their own, and I was waiting for you to say rule, because I happen to know they announced it as if it were a rule, right. but now they're saying it's more a goal. Than a guarantee, right? It's we're a gonna goal. So, in other words, we're gonna do whatever makes us the most money. Your health be damned, and actually, the health of the country. If you have, if you have a whole bunch of people that might have COVID jam packed into a plane, and now you've just departed, so you're stuck in a plane for is that was that a cross country flight, like a six hour flight? Mm-hmm. So you're jam packed into there, almost certainly spreading that disease around. You may have just caused another giant outbreak on the entire West Coast. Because of that flight, United? Well, everybody's masked up, so that helps. That helps a lot. Um, but, yeah. Uh, That's well, weak. That is really weak. 
And especially when they were trying to get the great PR. They're helping out in a crisis. We're all in this together. We're flying doctors and nurses free because they're our first line of defense. Whatever. Load of crap. Yeah. United's actual statement is we're automatically blocking middle seats to give you enough space on board. Except you're not. (laughs) Hilarious. I get get that this is a disaster. It would be a mortal wound for the airlines if it were not for government assistance. And, you know, they're trying to, you know, at least be able to pay their payroll and the rest of it. But uh, either Don't, do one or the lying other. To people. Yeah, one or the other. Um, hope everybody's Mother's Day went as planned, however you wanted it to go. Yeah. I had a good, I ended up and down with mine. In that, I talked to my mom last night, and uh, she has got a quite possibly very serious health problem, and it'd be the first of those with my parents. They have been amazingly blessed uh, health-wise. Mm-hmm. So uh, so that was obviously bad news. But uh, mine, my house, was really good. We had a hot, we had a hot dog eating contest that we think <laughs> yes. might become... For Mother's Day. Think it might become mm-hmm. a family tradition. Nobody can accuse you of being cliched. Around the Armstrong Ranch. <laughs> well, Sam's idea was the fourth grader's idea. He wanted to have a hot dog eating competition because, for some reason, he thought he could win. Wow. I will not be bested at anything <laughs> in my say. family until until I just can't pull it off anymore. I'm still the fastest. I still can eat the most. Right. And a number of other things. I've never lost at Jenga. I win at chess. How often will you reassert your dominance, for instance, in the racing? Do you, like, consent to race once? Are you like a heavyweight boxer who, if you win the crown, you just refuse to take no, any fights No, whenever challenged. I'm the opposite. Whenever oh, really? challenged. Oh! Pick the day, the time. All comers. Yes. Fabulous. But, uh, so, my son wanted to have a hot dog eating contest for Mother's Day for some reason. He ate one and bowed out early. Oh. What? <laughs> <laughs> Was he unfamiliar with the concept? <laughs> he ate one and said, I'm not in the mood for hot dogs. <laughs> I'm full. Uh, How, how'd I do? <laughs> I don't know if it's because we had steak the night before, but nobody was really in the mood for hot dogs. But um, <laughs> I, my goal was just to eat one more than whoever else, you know, finished at the top. Sure. And uh, to make sure I'm, you know, continue to assert my dominance, as I pointed out. Uh, but so uh, mom ate two, I think. Mm. She puts too much mustard on her hot dogs. There's no way you can eat a whole bunch of hot dogs <laughs> with that much mustard on it. Too acidic. Henry ate one and three quarters. Oh, so then I went ahead. And, so I went ahead and finished two and thought I reigned champion. But, yeah. but uh, Laura joined in, and I, she's actually right. If we do it like it's a weight class, and so I did the math: one point seven five hot dogs times two point five, which is how much more I weigh than him. Yes, he clearly won. Oh wow! Interesting way to look at it. Yeah. That's not the way they do it in competitions, but I no. thought that was a reasonable way to do it. However, and I'm not sure what the proper belly algorithm is yeah. for, you know, weight to hot dog. Although if I'd have known we were going to do that, I would have eaten more hot dogs. But anyway, so technically he was the winner. Yeah, I mean, because I don't dispute that you're taller and heavier than him, but is your stomach significantly bigger? I mean, how much does a person's stomach grow throughout their life? I couldn't believe I, that I do that not the, know these things. I couldn't believe the organizer of the competition bowed out after one hot dog. Yeah, that was uh, wow. It was disappointing. Um, Let not that one get forgotten in the uh, the ash heap of history. I, I would oh, make sure yeah. the the young one remembers that. <laughs> Bring that up now and again. Yeah, yeah. So uh, <laughs> the announcement from Major League Baseball is just they're going to uh, they're going to tell people what their plan is this week. Oh, so okay. Well, that's good. Uh, Major League Baseball is expected to present a formal proposal to the players' union this week. They'll outline the league's idea for how to stage a season in twenty twenty. Okay. 
Then the players' union has to approve it because it's almost certainly going to include a serious pay cut to what they were supposed to be making. Be more than not playing at all, though, right? Right. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. So what did the, what did you hear about the NBA, Sean? Um, so this past, uh, I believe it was Friday afternoon, evening, depending on your time zone, there was a some sort of big kind of conference call meeting of the you know the the decision makers in the league. That morning, I was pretty bullish to uh, you know on on the uh, the expectation that the the season would finish and playoffs would go. After this, these calls and what I'm hearing reported after that, it's not so much. Oh, One of the interesting that things stinks. that was that was mentioned was that uh, fans in the stadium accounts for about forty percent of the NBA's revenue, which is way higher really? than I thought it would be. Forty percent, huh. yeah. Huh. Um, so the monetary things aside, the other big story coming out of this was sans a vaccine that it may be likely that the NBA is fanless next season. Oh, really? As well. Oh, boy. Okay. Yeah. I heard Shaq come out over the weekend and say they shouldn't play. Really? I, I, don't, I don't know. know. Once you get your non-jabbing-your-brain-pan uh, swab tests going, where you can literally test these guys every single day. Right. I get that the NBA is a lot of sweating and bumping and grinding and physical contact. But you'd think that they could just ensure everybody on the court, everybody next. Don't to the you court find is... a COVID person though, and uh, and run them at the uh, the opposing team star player? Oh, gee, try to get him to spit in their eye or something. He doesn't want to take a charge from a guy who's got the bat fever. Now, one of the uh, one of the concerns was the optics of if there is some sort of any sort of test shortage perception in the United oh, States, right, right? And we but have to do tested. literally. Hundreds of tests per day, so we could play our games. Yeah, the, the some, some some teams were concerned about those the meat optics. processing plant can't open, so right. millions of cattle are dying and not being sold, and farmers going out of business. But the mm. NBA is getting tested. Yeah, yeah. Hmm. And not, I wonder if I'm an outlier. I, I can we all get together? I realize the media would whip this up into that sort of narrative, but. Isn't the whole sports thing popular enough? We need a little distraction. We need some. Wouldn't we all say, "All right, go ahead, test the ball players." I'm fine with it. I'm fine with it. Yeah, um, I, I, because it's not like those tests are being confiscated from the nurses and given to the NBA guys. I mean, if if you hear of a hospital, we don't have enough tests at this hospital. It's not because the NBA took them. There's another issue with their supply chain. You Both find, could be fulfilled. You find a trollop but, that's got COVID, and you have her come on to their star point guard wow. the night before the game. Your ideas are perverse and inappropriate, and I wish they'd gone unvoiced. He tests positive, you win the game. Oh, my. It's that simple. Harnessing trollops to your evil purpose? Um, uh, We did get some emails from people that are bartering during these weird economic times, apparently. Oh, yeah, lots of them. Uh, that, among other things, on the way on the Armstrong and Getty Show. I want you to listen to this Bill Barr answer to a question about what will history say about this. Where do you hear this answer? Take a listen. When history looks back on this decision, how do you think it will be written? Well, history is written by the winner, so it largely depends on, on <laughs> uh, who's writing the history. I was struck, Peggy, by the cynicism of the answer. It's a correct answer, but he's the attorney general. 
He didn't make the case that he was upholding the rule of law. He was almost admitting that, yeah, this is a this is a political job. Well, that is uh, quite an interpretation of that shocking statement by the attorney general. But uh, meet the press in their own words, inadvertently and inaccurately cut short that video clip. They they accidentally left out the rest of the answer. When history looks back on this decision, how do you think it will be written? Well, history is written by the winner, so it largely depends on, on uh, who's writing the history. But I think a fair history would say it was a, it was a good decision because it it upheld the rule of law. It helped it it upheld the standards of the Department of Justice, and it undid what was an injustice. In other words, he did the very thing that Chuck Todd criticized him for not yes. doing. He didn't bother to explain his decision. No, he actually, that's exactly what he was doing. Oh, my and, God. And, and his point was, and you know, and the winners, whoever wins this argument, will write the history mm-hmm. and decide whether it was right or wrong. So he was, in effect, saying, look, even if I'm right, I might be portrayed as wrong. And even if I'm wrong, I might be portrayed as right, depending on who's writing the history. So that was a remarkably honest and measured way to put it. But he was ripped into for the opposite by the liars that meet the press. Well, that's Chuck pretty Todd weak. Is, oh, it's incredibly weak. And then to claim it was inadvertently cut short. Oh, my ass, it was. Right. That is so weak. Chuck Todd is Lawrence O'Donnell, and meet the press is no longer what it was. It is just, it is a, it is a. It's like any of know. the shows on MSNBC. Right. It's the resistance. So. Sleepy eyes, Chuck Todd. Who- just so you know, I mean. Which they get to be. And if they feel sure. like they get more views that way or. Whatever, then you get to do that. I cherish the First Amendment. Just be aware of what it is now. So we asked earlier, well, we were talking about the the boom and barter, since a lot of people are out of work and, and, you know, these are tough economic times. And for whatever reason, barter seems to, uh, because people don't have a lot of cash around, barter seems to explode during times like this. And we asked out loud if if y'all have been engaged in that and got a bunch of different answers, which I'll hit real quick. My wife's a born barterer, writes Jeff. Recently, we bartered baby goats for welding repair on our Jeep and other services. Hmm. Regularly barter fresh eggs and milk for services as well. Obviously, they're uh, on the farm. Oh, let's see. Uh, Bartering in the Bay Area, California. We loaned our lawnmower to someone on next door. They gave us a bottle of homemade limoncello as a thank you. Wow. Good trade. A little liqueur. Plying us with their liquors and liqueurs. Let's see. How about bartering? I don't have anything to trade. I'll make a sarcastic comment about the news in your kitchen. (laughs) Yeah, I'm screwed in a barter economy. Anybody want a joke? I'm real hungry. (laughs) If you would figure out a way to sync up Minecraft from the iPad to the Kindle for my son, (laughs) I will make wry comments about the news of the day in your kitchen. Angry rant about the Constitution for food. Angry rants for food. <laughs> Perhaps accurate angry rants for food. Uh, let's see. Drew in South uh, Charleston, South Carolina. Oh, to be in Charleston right now. What a beautiful city. Oh, yeah. Two things. Uh, leaving the house to go. Whoops, that is incoherent, sir. Okay, I should have pre-read that one. Uh, oh, to be in Charleston being coherent. That would be a step forward. <laughs> Usually when I've been there, I haven't been for a variety of reasons. Jim from Vancouver. My brother is a starving artist, been bartering for a long time. He needed some orthodontic work done, and his orthodontist wanted a unique sign for his office. My brother got a bridge for his mouth, and the doctor got a two-by-foot 
two by six foot stained glass sign with wow, his name on it. That's a good idea. Yeah, yeah, that is really cool. Maybe there should be more bartering. Of course, the government hates that for obvious reasons. I exchanged my financial and computer skills, writes one bloke with a mechanic friend of mine, for him changing my brake pads. I mean, I get the government argument. Otherwise, we'd all barter everything all the time. If he could just plain get away with, you know, avoid taxes. Yeah. Yeah, but... I mean, the, the, the guy who, well, for instance, does your taxes. The guy who does your taxes would get free oil changes for a year to mm-hmm. do the taxes for the Jiffy Lube. And, yes, and the government deserves a piece of that, according to them. I get it, maintain the infrastructure and the rest of it, but... And if it were that, I would be 100% in favor of it. But no, it's to support hundreds of thousands of do-nothing bureaucrats all Mm. over the country. I got a good example of that coming up next hour. I hope you uh, can stay tuned. Here's a dozen eggs for two homemade masks. Judy's been making masks like uh, a fiend and giving them away to friends, particularly, you know, uh, older folks and folks who can't craft or buy their own. Mm. Yeah. Oh, I'll don mine later. It's very nice. It's a, it's, a, it's a motif, the maps of the National Parks of America. Of course, you'd have to look close. You'd have to be close enough to me. I'd have to punch you to see what it is. But that's what it is. Government agencies at work trying to figure out how to spend the $2.3 trillion. It's a pretty interesting story out of the Wall Street Journal. Hope you can stay tuned for that. And which Korean baseball team to root for also? Oh, yes. I need to know because I'll hate the rest of them. Armstrong and Getty.